First in the morning, SAFM Sunrise with Stephen Grutis. Well, let's talk load shedding now. And in a strange way, uh, uh, the load shedding in what's really been the coldest part of winter so far hasn't been as intense as we thought it would be. But look at the impact on the economy. Look at food prices. Look at inflation. A lot of that's to do with load shedding. There's been huge changes in the policy as well. The Minister of Electricity in the Presidency, or the Minister in the Presidency for Electricity, I should say, is Dr. Josiento Romacopa. Minister, good morning. I really appreciate the time this this morning, thank you. Good morning, morning, SG. Thanks for the invitation, and good morning to the listeners of SAFM. We're more than halfway through winter now. Why do you think load shedding has been less intense than we expected it to be? I mean, estimate one point was sort of look say, stage eight, and yet we haven't really gone above stage four. Well, I guess uh, it can be put down to the actions that we have taken. Remember, the, when I was here. I, I did indicate that uh, there was a method in us visiting the, the power stations uh, for us to understand uh, what are the underlying problems uh, in each and every power station, each and every unit. So we, we got to diagnose that. And then uh, we, we then uh, went to converse uh, the necessary expertise to come and work with uh, the general managers, the workers at the ESCOM in the areas of uh, of significant uh, deficit in relation to the skills that are required to address uh, what was uh, essentially a, a, a appeared to be an intractable uh, technical problem. Um, and then the second part is the, the leadership at the ESCOM. I think the, the stewardship of uh, the board uh, under Chairman Makwana had made uh, some sound decisions in the uh, one, uh, the appointment of uh, Mr. Begging Umalo, a seasoned uh, uh, practitioner in the in the electricity field. He understands the thermal power. And uh, once he got in there, it was to also deploy uh, the right people at the, the, the respective stations, especially the most problematic ones, the ones that are notorious for for um, an energy availability factor, which was uh, below uh, average. Uh, and then the third part is the campaigns. I mean, the uh, energy intensive users have really come to the party. They've uh, introduced uh, interventions to ensure that they, they reduce the load. Um, and then we're also beginning to see that the benefits of uh, some of uh, the campaign were going to be, in fact, uh, more aggressive going forward. Uh, with regards to the demand side interventions at the household level. So it's a combination of those, uh, just a, a technical intervention, leadership issues, and then uh, the whole of society approach, business and, and households. Because what that what that has done is that uh, it has uh, reduced demand while the technical interventions have uh, increased uh, generation. And you can see that uh, now we have... Uh, in progressively improving the EAF. Uh, when we came to the office, we're at the 48%, the lowest. Uh, and then now, as I speak to you, we're beginning to, to, to stabilize at about 60 61%. And then uh, in the next few weeks, again, we'll be adding an, another percentage point or two just to begin to lift it to the next level. Um, and yes, and, and then we've been able to reduce the, the amount of... Um, um, uh, Unit failures, what you call the unplanned capacity loss factor, the units just tripping. Uh, you can see now they are ca- coming down, and I'm not saying that it's completely gone, sure. uh, but we are beginning to stabilize, and that's why you see that a combination of that is beginning to yield the results. So I'm confident, very bullish about the prospects of us uh, ending 
a load shedding much sooner than uh, than we had anticipated. Well, look, it's been a long time since we've had optimism and hope in this, so, so I hope you're right. But, I mean, there's still a lot of winter to come. This weekend's probably going to be the coldest on the high felt that we've seen uh, this year. Um, could we, uh, I've seen predictions saying that the hardest time for Eskimo would probably be the third week in July and the first week in August. Could we still have intense load shedding this winter? Yeah, remember that my measure, the, the measure I use is uh, is on the are we able to consistently perform as the EAF of 60% for now? Even if uh, demand were to go up and were to go to, let's say, stage three, stage four, or even stage five, of course, that's a concern. But I think the optimism there is on the generation side. If those units, as they continue to perform and we continue to gradually improve the, the performance, I think that's the best measure. And then we'll do everything that we can uh, to let people work with business uh, to reduce uh, demand. But the key is that uh, you must generate to meet the demand and also to allow the economy to grow. Uh, yes, you are perfectly right. I think uh, the next few weeks will be very intense. It will be a test of uh, our ability to maintain that the EAF and also continue to improve it. So the key is not to deteriorate it. So we're at 60. Remember that the ESCOM border proof strategy was that we should be at 60 sometime, I think, early next year. We are uh, we we there now. And then this is also before we, we bring the units at Pusile, which will add, uh, if you like, about six percentage points. Uh, which will mm-hmm. take us uh, to 66, uh, going to 67% uh, EAF. It's about the performance on the generation side. And then, of course, I mean, if demand ramps up, uh, load shedding is an instrument to sure. ensure that you balance uh, generation and demand. But I'm just saying the best measure, of course, from where I'm sitting, is what, how are we doing on the generation side? Um, and then as we go out of this winter and we continue this improvement, then we are confident that comes the next winter. We'll not be having uh, this uh, uh, same conversation. We'll be discussing uh, energy security going into the future. But yes, Steve, we, 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 we are doing everything possible. And thanks to the men and women at ESCOM and thanks to uh, uh, the people of South Africa, I really have to express my appreciation and gratitude that they are listening. We are beginning to see it on the demand side. And also thanks to business. And you see, when we pull together, were able to uh, uh, to to even uh, mm. uh, go out of, of a very very difficult situation. This situation at Kosile, and you you talk about it. We've got this very tall chimney. It's 100 meters. It stands over three units. Um, there's a desulfurization process that the chimney is supposed to do. If you bypass that, you get 2,000 megawatts. Um, and so that's two stages of load shedding. That's really important. It would be yeah. a temporary solution. But you also pump a huge amount of pollution into the air. A business days quoting research this morning suggesting it would lead to 670 excess deaths. So it's a very difficult trade-off, and I'm sure there'll be arguments about the trade-off. Do you support Eskim in trying to get the system running again, even though the pollution cost would be huge? Okay, first is that we have never denied the fact that uh, bypassing the flue gas desulfurization unit is going to result in uh, greater emissions of uh, sulfur dioxide uh, content. Let me make the point that on other emissions parameters, uh, ESCOM is not in breach. The only area where it's in breach is in the uh, sulfur di- dioxide. That's the first part. And then the second part, 
um, we, we, we're not taking that as a blank check. So there's uh, additional measures that uh, ESCOM will be introducing, even without uh, the benefit of uh, that technology of the FGD uh, uh, for us to be able to reduce the amount of uh, sulfur content. And yes, we do accept that uh, it's got repercussions uh, going into the future. And that's why that's uh, the temporary intervention and we have to have uh, returned to normality. Normality in this instance, having restored the flu gas desulfurization unit, I think not later than May of uh, of 2025. And we'll do everything possible to um, uh, bring it back earlier, and or in the pro- or and not or and in the process of doing that, uh, take every measure to ensure that uh, we are able to reduce the emissions level. So that uh, we have never de- denied. And that's why we are taking uh, um, extra precautionary measures and working with the communities uh, in the catchment areas to ensure that uh, we reduce the the amount of of, uh, emissions, especially the the sulfur dioxide, so that uh, it doesn't result in the death as as computed. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we will do everything possible to ensure that we we protect their lives. Uh, the point I'm making is that the, the quickest and the, and the most rational intervention that we could make is this one that is before us. It's a technical solution that allows us, one, to bring the units back into operation to save the South African economy, uh, to ensure that we protect jobs, we're able to ensure that there's greater levels of investment, and then on the other side, reduce the harm that they could be inflicted in the neighboring communities. And that conversation has been happening. And uh, we don't take this as a blank check. We, we do understand what its implications are on the communities in the catchment area or in the immediate radius of uh, of Kusila. So we are fully appreciative of that, alert of that. And that's why we are taking additional measures uh, to what we had, uh, the commitment we have made to the Department of uh, Environmental Affairs. The actual changes in policy that uh, you've been a part of, we've all seen them happening. There's more solar power coming through. Joburg's going to buy power from homes and companies like Cape Town is doing. Um, Do you think we have the right uh, policy in place? Are we now at the point where the policy is going to enable, maybe even empower, people to build their own generation capacity to get us out of load shedding as quickly as possible? And uh, do you and the energy minister have policy harmony? No, we do have uh, policy harmony. So the first one is that uh, we are moving into a stage of a dispensation of distributed uh, generation. And that uh, is an important protection measure from uh, a grid collapse because uh, you don't have uh, a single point of failure. So you are, you are, you are having, if you like, a multiple grids. So it's a polycentric uh, configuration of the grid. And then the, the second one is that uh, you, are, you, are, you are also going to, to have uh, additional um, um, uh, renewable sources into your, your, energy, your energy mix. Um, and then you are going to make it possible for household and industry to earn another revenue stream because once you feedback, uh, there's a tariff that uh, will be introduced and then you are able to, to earn an income. So households and industries are likely going to be net producers as, as opposed to net consumers of electricity going into the future. But there's a downside. The downside is that the, the design and the configuration of the grid uh, must be such that it's able to allow multiple points of uh, of generation without uh, 
uh, undermining uh, the integrity of uh, the grid. It must also allow the system operator to have see-through of where this generation is happening, but also to accommodate the surge. Uh, by that, I mean you could have a cloudy day, uh, and then two hours later, suddenly there's a sun, and then there's a surge of electrons. The system must be able to accommodate that. I was just reading a piece in the, um, one of the reputable uh, publications that suggests that the, the European uh, Union uh, um, has uh, experienced uh, for the first time in history, uh, a day in May, uh, the amount of energy generated from renewables was greater than that which was generated from thermal power for the first time in their history. But then they go further to say that the problem it presents is that, uh, one, it doesn't help you to resolve uh, the peak demand, and they mm-hmm. don't know how to deal with the surge. And the surge has got mm-hmm. significant implication on the integrity of the grid. Sure. It's the same story that we're told by my counterpart when I was in Vietnam, he says, look, we have been very successful in running this program, feeding tariffs over a period of uh, 12 months. We've been able to get 8 gigawatts. And he say, I caution you, only be generous in the timeline or the period that you you you, you introduce for you to buy from uh, um, um, individual household producers. Because now we're sitting with a problem. We've got excess generation. We don't know how to do deal with it. It's going to compromise the, the grid. We never designed the grid to accommodate this. So in the policy articulation and orientation, we need to accommodate what are those experiences. Um, so you need to balance the need for distributed generation and for household to generate, but also how you are able to maintain the integrity of uh, of the grid. Uh, and of course, uh, technology will advance and it sure. will be able to solve this. But uh, for now, it's a conundrum that's facing us. But Vietnam mm-hmm. has got a better problem. They've got more electricity mm-hmm. than they need. We have an, a different problem. We need the electricity. Minister, thank you. I really do appreciate the time. The Minister in the Presidency for Electricity, Dr. Josiento Ramakopa, on your radio this morning.